Today, I'm talking to one of my favorite Cal offensive linemen of all times. We'll be talking about his pro career, what it's like to win the Dratty Award, which may give it away, and what's going on with the Pac-12, coming up right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Ultimate Insider, Bear Insider's podcast. I'm Mike Pulaski, Hall of Fame Cal quarterback. Today, we're talking to one of my favorite Cal offensive linemen of all times. As you know, a quarterback, the offensive line is your best friend, and your center is especially important. This guy won all kinds of awards, set himself apart as a college player and an NFL player Joining me now, as well. my favorite all-time center, which is like the position that quarterbacks get most intimate with, is that center spot. Uh, Alex Mack. And Alex, if you're, if you're a Cal guy and you love Cal players, Alex is as Cal as it gets. Uh, we can go through a list of his resume but it includes the Drady Trophy while he was at Cal, which is what they call the academic Heisman, now the Campbell Trophy. Graduated early, played his senior year as a graduate student, was a first-round pick in the NFL, was the highest-paid, I believe, center for a few years in the NFL, seven Pro Bowls. Like, he's a Cal guy through and through. 4.2 GPA in high school. Alex, uh, welcome to the Ultimate Insider Podcast here, man. I gave a little bit of your resume, so I'm sure you're blushing, but uh, welcome to the podcast. I'm usually much paler. This is all, it's all flushed and feeling special. Thank you for having me on. This is uh, fun to be part of it. You know, Mike, me and you go back a couple of years. So it's great to uh, join you on your podcast. I mean, we'll start there. We'll start with the really important stuff before we get to, you know, the football. But we'll get, you know, the really important stuff. We did a trip. We started off, we've done, I think, four shows now together. Uh, but starting off in Guatemala with a fishing show. Yeah. Uh, and then we've gone to Africa. We've done shooting shows in Atlanta. And so uh, let talk about those experiences. What was that like for you? You have a travel bug like nobody I've ever met. Talk about that. Yeah, it was really fun. So, you know, to start off, I think it was Fujita who called me. It was like, hey, this like, you know, Mike Lowski is a Cal quarterback. He has a fishing show. Do you want to like be a part of it? It might like travel or something. I was like, yes, absolutely. Let's do it. And so it was a great opportunity to, uh, I think it was pretty short notice too. I think it was like in two weeks, we go to Guatemala. Are you in? I was like, yes. So like, it was really fun to go down there and get to see some Guatemala, do some fishing. I like trying new things. I'm not a good fisherman, but it was fun to, you know, join you on the adventure and try to do that. And it, it, it just great. And in the off season every year, I'd just try, no matter what, except if there's a global pandemic, to go and to see a new place and use a little bit of time to be active, but not training. So the season would end and it was a great chance. Like, all right, my body is exhausted. Where can I go? What can I do? Uh, I would try to buy a ticket to someplace I've never been before and walk around and see the city and do stuff. So Guatemala and fishing trip, like fell directly in line. It was perfect. And how did that, how did that travel bent for you get started? Where did, where did you start picking that up going to new places? Uh, when we were kids, one time my family took us all to Europe and I thought it was amazing to see just, I think we saw like Spain and uh, London and like Paris. So it was this really cool 
time in as a young kid to experience the world and do stuff. And then I never really got to do much more, like because football started up and college and uh, just I was busy the whole time. And so I always wanted to and I was always jealous of everybody who went to college did like study abroad. And I, I would love to do that. I can't I, I don't have that chance. So I used that as my first opportunity. So the, played my rookie year and then I was like I want to like start traveling and do this and so I, I just started going and just doing it every off season and now I, I think right now I'm a, around 55 60 countries that is awesome I so when I was my second year in the NFL with Tampa in camp with Anthony Munoz down and uh he had just come you know from Cincinnati Anthony Munoz one of the greatest offensive linemen to ever play the game he said, signing an NFL contract allows you to be more. Like, it doesn't make you better. It doesn't make you worse. It makes you more of what you are. And that I love that with you with the travel. Like, you love the travel. You wanted to do it. You sign your NFL contract. You're like, I'm going to do this and be like, this is who I am, which is awesome. It was fun. So the first trip I did, I went with a buddy and we went to Thailand. Bought a ticket in, bought a ticket out, and the rest of it we just did on the fly. So it was really fun to, where do you want to go? And we like found a way to get there and found a hotel room to stay in. And we're in this city. And then like, all right, like where next? And so that's a lot of how the travel I've done has been that way. A little open-ended, uh, a bit, all right, I know I want to go here to here. I have this much time. Let's figure out a way to get there. And it, it usually works out. I've been a couple of times unable to find a way out in emergency hotel room because you know, I can't get out of there. That's awesome. And English isn't always the first language in a lot of these places. Say that again. Sorry. I said Engl English isn't always a lot the first language in a lot of these places that you're going You'd to. You'd be surprised. Like go out in the normal day and think about how much you actually need to talk to people. Like you go to Starbucks and, you know, you can say what's on the menu. You can point to pictures. You know, you don't really need English. And English is such a wide, like, tourist, like, exchange. It, it, it just, every country I've been, usually people speak. I went to Korea, South Korea, and... Uh, I hope so. Yeah. North Korea would be a little dicier. But I went there, and it was one of the few times where we went to a restaurant because it was, like, we're walking through the city, and there was this busy restaurant. It looked really fun. It like the food we saw on the table looked great. So let's go there. And it, they did not speak any English. The whole menu was only in Korean and there were no pictures. And like, we like <laughs> mimed our way into like pointing at stuff. And it had a great meal. It worked Just out. Just walk, walk from table to table, pointing at people's food. I want that and not, that. Not quite that bad, but <laughs> it, it wasn't far. Um, <laughs> The restaurant people had to be so like to serve us anything, you know, like like more. You know? Yes, yes. Give me something an American would like, whatever that is. Just bring it. Yeah, and it helps to be adventurous. Like if you only wanted cheeseburgers all the time, you oh. might not have as much fun. Yeah, don't leave the want. country. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's my stomach. That is awesome. So let's work. So this year you have the interesting designation of being both a newlywed and a retiree in the same year. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about this year for you. It's a big year. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were actually were married before, 
because we got married like two years ago before COVID because that was going to happen. Yes. But we now had to postpone our wedding twice. And so we actually got to have the celebration this year. So it wasn't like we're, marriage has stopped football. That's not exactly what happened there. No. But uh, I'm also now retired. I've been 13 years and that was enough. It was time to hang up the cleats and uh, unless, you know, something drastic happens, like I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I've, I've, my body's telling me it's time and I want to be able to walk away. So I'm walking away. And tell me about your new bride. Everybody uh, at home. Rachel, she's amazing. I say, I say new bride. You just said two years. So you're, you're publicly new bride after the celebration. <laughs> uh, so married Rachel. She, I met her at Cal. She played tennis there. She eventually transferred. But uh, she, because of Cal, I have that to thank for my lovely wife and the tennis program for recruiting her and me seeing her at Kips and seeing like that girl. So it, it's worked out well. Uh, we dated a bit in college and then we had, took a little break and then we started up again and now we're married and we're living the retired life. She's actually working right now remotely. Yeah, so. she's she's probably not retired like you're retired. She's right? not retired. I'm retired. Yes. I got to do everything I want. Yes, and, and, and keeping with your travel adventure experience, you did everything over in Ireland. There's a reason for that. Tell everybody at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, so we got married in Ireland because Rachel's Irish. Uh, she's actually from Dublin with the accent and everything. Not and like Irish, like American Irish. She's like Irish, Irish. Actually Irish. That, yes. that gets, it gets tough. It's also tough when like we were living in Georgia together and even here in California, there's a Dublin, California, there's a Dublin, Georgia. So people would be like, oh yeah, she's from Dublin. People would just assume Dublin, Georgia. Right. Like, nope, nope, actually Dublin. You know, no Dublin, Dublin, like the original Dublin. Yeah, that is that is awesome. Um, congratulations. Uh, and then retiring, you talked about it, your body kind of football career. I remember what it was like, when I, you know, I retired at 31, but I was forced to retire. Like my body made me retire. I, I wasn't coming back for another year because of my neck. Talk about the decision, you know, all, all the thought that goes into that kind of where you're at um, in terms of like the emotional side of it. Yeah, it, it was tough. I remember after COVID, well, the COVID year, COVID's not over, or it is over, who knows? Uh, There's no telling. That's, that's more than this podcast can cover. Yeah. Uh, but after my last year in Atlanta, it was the year that like COVID first showed up. And we magically got the season done. But the way the season went and the restrictions put on was really, it wasn't a very satisfying year. It wasn't very fun. There was no locker room. We weren't very good. There was a lot of reasons to not quite feel done. But so I was like very on the fence that year. And I wasn't sure. Do I sign another contract? What do I do? And eventually it was really hard. I was almost retired. It, it was this huge emotional, like, is that it? You know, because I, I actually didn't get to play the last game that year. I got COVID and I had a quarantine for 10 days the season ended in that span and then afterwards I showed up back to the facility and all my stuff was just in a trash bag I'm like yep here's your stuff and I was yeah. like that's it you know like think like there was no one no players were around no oh. coaches were there anymore I saw I said bye to the, like the equipment staff and that was it I was like 
Well, that's very unsatisfying. So it was, it left with a very bitter taste in my mouth in terms of like, is this the last thing I'm going to do? And so eventually decided to sign with San Francisco and give it one more go. And I told them, listen, like, I'll give you one year, maybe more, like, we'll see how it goes. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking one and signed a three-year deal with San Francisco amazing experience so happy i did it had a great time love everyone there can't speak high enough for that organization they were amazing i, I wish i had the line like everything about it was incredible the line coach was amazing just learning some new stuff and you're 13 to learn a bunch mm-hmm. was a really cool experience for me I, I thought i knew like everything i could about playing center and just his system and how he coached things it was it was really really fun and I I can't speak high enough for that experience but played the year and then body was hurting all year long I was the oldest guy on the team behind the kicker and uh kickers don't have much contact so they can go till they're like 60 yeah yeah they can they usually are the oldest people but uh yeah and Played the year and took some time off, tried to heal up after the season. And it was just time in the decision to hang him up wasn't quite as emotional because I really, I went into that year really trying to appreciate every, everything about it, taking a moment and, you know, spending the bus ride to the game being like, this could be the last one, you know, in, in that in your head. And not that you want to focus on like, you know, everything when you're stressed out and need to worry about, you know, defenses, but it was cool to try to appreciate and understand that, you know, this is the, remember this, be present. And I I am able to walk away really feeling like I've accomplished everything. I I pretty much can and want to, I would love to have like, you know, 13 Super Bowl rings, but we're not all that lucky. Yeah, most people aren't aren't even lucky enough to get one. And so to go to actually go and play in the big game, uh, pretty awesome to do that anyway. That you know, you do it with Atlanta after you know, I I know we talked through kind of the whole back end of your career. I know you kind of felt like you had that home in Cleveland and the decision to go to Atlanta was something big. So getting that opportunity and then, you know, really your hometown team since you played college ball at Cal for the Niners to finish off is a pretty sweet place to finish off. It was, it actually feels really full circle to go start at Cal. Cal was the first real introduction. I mean, San Marcos football in high school was incredible. Loved the time, but they're not a football powerhouse. And then to go to Cal and have a lot of success there and have a great time and live in the Bay area. And then to, travel away to different parts of the country that no, I would not normally have lived in. And then to come back to the Bay and finish it there was, it, it felt great. Pretty cool. So what after the NFL career now, what's next? I know you and I are going to go fishing somewhere. So that's part of it. But I, outside I of that. Time to do things. I know I, I have dreams and aspirations about doing something else. I don't know what it exactly is going to be. I think top of my list would be to, you know, let a little freedom happen and then hunker down. And I think getting an MBA would be exciting. Go go to business school, learn much skills, meet a lot of new people, try to get involved in some business that I enjoy and want to be a part of. And let's let's do that, you know, and 
figure out what else. Cause I can't just, you know, do nothing for the rest of my life. I, I think I'll be crazy. Now, what that is, I'm not sure. So if you're hiring and you think it's perfect for me, call me up, reach out to Mike, he'll get back to me. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is all just a big elaborate LinkedIn uh, profile promo. Well, the beauty, I mean, the beauty of it is too, you're at a great place in at Cal, right? With great people with those kind of contacts. And also, you know, the NFL networks in terms of guys that are out there doing stuff. It's, it's a pretty good place to be if you're looking for a new challenge. So yeah, uh, I, I expect with your history that you're going to be pretty fantastic at whatever you do. Talk to me about how you got that background as a player, a 4.2 in high school, 3.6 in 3.61, I don't want to, you know, shortchange you that tenth. 3.61 in college, um, and then winning, it's the Dratty, right? Not the Dratty, I keep calling it the Dratty. Dratty. Uh, yeah, the Dratty. Oh, now it's like, the like how, how did you, how did you do that? How does, how is that part of what you do? Well, so I was talking about San Marcos football in Santa Barbara. It's not like a big hub of football. So I was a very small recruit. Like no one really offered me many scholarships. And the only reason Cal offered me is because I went to their football camp in the summertime. And they saw me live in person. They're like, this guy is, you know, we want him. So they offered me at the football camp. And I remember walking like uh, up above like the football stadium and seeing the whole bay and everything else. This is cool. This is, this is going to be hard to beat. And it was, so I, I, I didn't, I get UCLA offered me for defense, like really late. Uh, but I was hopeful, like, all right, I've tried really hard at football in high school. I now have the ability to get into Cal with that kind of, you know, through that Avenue and football might not be for me. Like if I'm a small recruit and maybe I'm not good enough, so I've always focused on school. I wanted to make sure that whatever I did, I needed to make sure that my education really was important to me. So I really try to focus hard and work and make sure school never took a back step. Football was always really important, but I also wanted to understand that this might not be it. Like, I don't think NFL was in my radar at all. So I focused on school and did that. And I remember in high, I think when I first showed up, I was like, this would be incredible if I could be good enough at football to play in NFL Europe and I could live in Europe and play sport. That'd be fantastic. And, you know, over the course of college, Europe, NFL Europe disbanded and I overshot the mark a bit and landed right in the NFL. (laughs) But uh, Just a little bit. I mean, very naive because I, for the people that played in NFL Europe said it wasn't much fun and it was a lot of work and it was, you didn't uh, get paid anything. You didn't get paid anything. And so I think, I think this worked out pretty well, but big roundabout way to say that like the chances of succeeding in football are so small that I knew my education was going to be a must and needed in, in the future. I, so. I love I love that about you in that, like, a I get it. Small school, right? I was a wing T quarterback coming out. I was totally under recruited. Everybody thought of me as a DB. Um, but you're like I am. I, they have to get school because football may or probably won't work out. Like I'm so dialed into that. I love that about you. Everybody else that you see that comes to 
college in football, especially nowadays, all thinks they're going to be, you know, first round draft pick play in the NFL, you know, going to be the greatest thing ever when it's like one tenth of 1% of guys that actually make it for more than a year. Yeah. And so it's, uh, I just love the fact that you were so grounded that that's the way you approached it. Yeah. I remember the first day of like freshman football or high school, our coach like ran through the numbers of how few of us would like have the chance to play in college. And then from there, how few of us would ever play in the NFL. And so their message was like, focus on school. Like, don't think that football is more important than school. And I took that to heart. It was a great message and I've always lived it. And I happened to be the exception, but you just don't know. And then even if you, once I got drafted, I was always freaked out because any injury will end your career immediately. And the average career is three point, you know, four years or whatever it is. So it's, I need to save my money. I need to like really work hard. Like this is not a sure thing. And I have been lucky enough to stay healthy and play 13 years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love the fact your recruiting trip. I had the same exact experience. I got up on the rim of the stadium, Memorial stadium and looked back out towards the Bay in San Francisco. I was like, Oh, I, I was just so blown away at the view. And I had, you know, Mariucci recruiting me and Terry Shea and Bruce Snyder, you know, different staff. You had Tedford staff there recruiting you, but like having, having that crew recruiting me was, and that view, I'm like, I'm done. I'm in, I'm a Cal guy. Yeah. Um, tell me about your experience at Cal, what that was like for you and, and how that prepared you for playing in the NFL. I know one of the things you can touch on it about you is you ask a million questions. We did a shooting show together. We did a hunting show together, the fishing show together. And like, you're, you're trying to get all the information that you could get in. Uh, and, and coaches always tell players, there's no dumb questions. But players always feel dumb for asking questions. You, you're like, there is no dumb question. I'm asking everything I can figure out. Let's go. Let's, let's ask some things. I mean, it, there probably are some dumb questions. I'm sure I've asked them. Uh, but <laughs> I'm always, I want to learn. I want to know what, how things work. I want to get up to speed. I'm a curious person. I want to learn different skills. Uh, college was fantastic. I mean, just walking through the campus at Cal and just seeing the big grand buildings and there's so many people and they're all working really hard. And the, it's just such an incredible place to go to school and to study and live nearby. Like I didn't really need a car. You could walk everywhere. Um, I just can't speak high enough for Cal. I think it's an incredible spot spot in the country. I mean, it, it's its own little bubble, but there's also a lot right around it. So if you do have a car or you want to take BART into the city, it's like 20 minutes away and you're in this incredible big city that you're, you're just, you can absorb yourself into that life or you can stay at Berkeley and be just a very small college life. Everyone walking distance to each other. I, I think I went through, you know, five years of college and not one person I knew had any, you know, car related accident or DUI or anything bad because everyone just walked everywhere. And it was just incredible experience for this small community of, like, you know, kids to learn and go to school and the sports aspects and how many sports there are and how big they are and how good the athletics program is. It was just tons of fun. I loved college. 
That's awesome. And, and since it's in the news, right, we, we have to talk about those two treacherous L.A. schools in the Pac-12 and kind of get your opinion on what's going on uh, in the Pac-12 right now. It's kind of crazy. Dude, crazy. Uh, we're, we're back to the Pac-10, it looks like. Uh, Which is well, old school for me because that's what I played in. That's what I played in. Right. That's right. It was after you, huh? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they added the Pac-12 a year or two after, I think. Yeah. I can't remember exactly when it happened, but uh, it's going to be tough. Hopefully it all stays together because I think, you know, the old school Pac-10 had great athletics. I think the the main problem that the Pac-10 and the West Coast faces is the East Coast, you know, time zone and bias because I've lived over on the East Coast now. No one watches games on the West Coast. It's just too late. You know, the game starts at, you know, 10 p.m. and goes till 2 a.m. I just can't stay awake for that. I'd have to, like, Cal be playing on a Saturday night, and I had to go to sleep because I had a game the next day. So I didn't get really watch as much as I, I wanted to. All right, well, it's either not on TV for us or it's just there. So I can understand how USC wants to be in a conference that's playing more games in prime time. But it feels like it's just a money grab that's not good for the players because the, the kids are not going to have to travel all the way to the East Coast for these games. It's going to be crazy. And it's just going to be very logistical. And I think it, it hurts because I loved the Pac-10. The competition was great. The schools, it, all of it was a really fun thing. And the California schools, and you'd have that, you know, the rivalry between the Northern Cal schools and Southern California was, is real. And to let that go away is just going to hurt. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's changed, right? They've been arguing all along about amateur sports and college football for years. It's been a, it's been a business the entire time. Now it's just obviously a business for everybody with the NIL deals and the new conference alignments. I think, you know, a couple of things in my opinion happen. A, those LA schools are going to get their teeth kicked in because they've got to go, like you said, to Maryland and to Rutgers and to Penn state. And, and they're doing this in the winter for all these games. The other thing I, in my opinion, Cal, if the PAC 10 can hang together, if they can find a way to stay together and get a, you know, a decent media rights deal, they should be the dominant recruiter in California. Stanford's going to do what they do and recruit nationally, but you go to a home in LA and say, look, you can take a $49 flight to Cal to watch your kid for every single game on the West coast. Um, or they're going half the time they're going to have to fly across country, you know, five and a half, six hour flights, getting across country, all the travel, everything else to come back home and do this, you know, week in week out, all those big 10 teams only have to come out here once every other year. SC yeah. and UCLA have to make that trip every single time. The closest trip is what Nebraska. And so yeah, no, it's not, not going to be easy for them. It's, it's a lot of time. Yeah. Time zone. Like when you're traveling that way, it's five hours to get there and you lose three hours. So you're going to miss, you might have to miss more school because of this. It's going to be more challenging academically because you're doing that. And I remember the first couple long road trips we did at Cal, I was like, oh, I'll bring my books and study before the game yeah or uh, like never did never touched them after a couple away games it was like i'm i'll do this later like i'll carve out time 
Sunday afternoon or something when I'm not immediately following or preceding a stressful game. So it's, it's just a lot of travel and it's not easy. And maybe they'll learn how to do it better than I could. But I, I quickly learned that with all of football going on, it was hard to let me worry about social studies, you know, like whatever class I was taking. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's miserable. And like you said, you, you do it on Sunday afternoon when you're not after. Well, now you've just traveled five and a half hours back. You get home at 6 a.m. after a game. Now what? Now what are you going to do? Like, it's, it's going to be miserable for those guys. And so I, I just, it's going to be a rough trip. I hope it's worth the money because it's definitely not about the student athlete. That's for sure. Yeah. That's, Brother, uh, it is awesome, awesome having you on. Um, I, I look forward to being just a small part of your post-retirement uh, adventure, getting you out fishing uh, and doing our thing out here. Uh, tell Rachel we said hello. And uh, thank you for coming on Bear Insider. I look forward, hopefully, to seeing you at the Notre Dame game this year, but at a couple of Cal games for sure. Yeah, it'd be fun. I'll have more time to do all the things I've missed out on for 13 years. So I'm excited for the next uh, adventure. That's the beauty of retirement, right? Getting to get that done. Thank you for coming on. Everybody at home, appreciate you guys watching. For BearInsider.com, I am Mike Pulaski. This is the Ultimate Insider Podcast. As always, go Bears. <laughs>